unless we look at grassroots, grass tops, local institutions, and then the policy level, we're not going to have sustainable change. We are beginning to change the mindset of people who are in positions of, of authority in our community. We've worked on transactional change for a long time. What we're really talking about here is transformational change. We found that we had a real agreement on where we were today and where we wanted to be. And, you know, sometimes that's a downer. In this case, it was not because there was a sense of the possible. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Vitalist Spark podcast. I'm your host, John Ford. Thanks for joining us for our fourth and for now final crack at peeling back the layers of a new effort in Arizona that we call the Live Well Arizona Incubator. Vitalist has spent two plus years so far talking about the elements of a healthy community and four goals for change, as well as curating resources at livewellaz.org. In 2018, we collaborated with the Arizona Partnership for Healthy Communities to establish the Live Well Arizona Incubator to take things to a new level, specifically to help facilitate creation of more place-based, cross-sector collaborations. In a nutshell, the idea was to identify early-stage cross-sector community health projects and provide technical assistance over time, using a series of full-cohort face-to-face meetings, but also by providing a facilitator-slash-coach-slash-consultant for about 10 months to help each project develop its new collaboratives, and also to produce a solid strategy and work plan going forward. So how's it going so far? That's what this fourth of four Vitalist Spark podcast episodes will explore. Today, we're tackling the experience and progress of Better Together in Sawarita, formerly known as the Sustainable Families Coalition. We're about to reflect on and delve into what makes the incubator tick and get a close-up look at the nuts and bolts on the ground work that's required to make community change in order to improve community health and well-being. And like always, it'll all happen in about the space of your daily commute. Listen in as we sit down with a crucial catalyst for this incubator project, Penny Pestle from Better Together. It's time to learn about Better Together's growth and the incubator's impact. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Penny Pestle. Penny, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. So Penny, you have a couple of identities. You are from Suarita Food Bank, correct? That's correct. And also a key part of the Sustainable Families Coalition, yes? Yes, uh, our organization was one of the instigators of the Sustainable Families Coalition. There, we left that title out, your instigator. <laughs> and if you were to describe the Sustainable Families Coalition in a nutshell, how would you describe it to the folks who are listening today? It's a group of leaders from across our community who are committed to making this a community that works for everyone. What that means more specifically is that we want to see the economic well-being of people across our community to be sustainable and to be of support to them, their families, and the possibilities of their future. Sustainable Families is a collaborative community development process that has engaged a number of leaders and others in the community around the idea that we as a community can move toward a place where people are more economically stable and are not having to come to food banks, seek out access medical benefits because their own family economics or individual economics are such that they can be self-sufficient. 
And you come at this from your experience with the food bank. Explain what your why is in all of this. You're sitting at the food bank providing emergency food. Somehow from there, you got to this coalition. How'd that happen? Well, a couple of reasons. I was involved when I lived in Michigan in an initiative called the Delta Strategy, the Change Strategy. And it had a very similar kind of an objective, which was for the community to collaboratively come together around important issues in the community and try to make not just Band-Aid progress, but actually make some systemic progress on those issues. In terms of the food bank itself, we have realized for a number of years, and this is, by the way, very consistent with the food bank movement across the country, that we don't just have one mission, feeding hungry people, but we also have a mission of helping people improve their circumstances so that in the long run they don't need the food bank. The Association of Arizona Food Banks, the phrase is, we're going to feed the line and shorten the line. That's right. That's right. Exactly. From the very beginning, there was conversation about a multi-agency service center that would address that second mission, that need. And as we moved ahead, we realized that this was something we absolutely could not do on our own and that we had no need to control it if we did it on our own. It, would, it wouldn't be effective. So uh, about four years ago, we started talking in earnest about this idea, along with our local community foundation, the Greater Green Valley Community Foundation. We held a community conversation in April of 2016. And really, to our great delight, the group that assembled really responded. You know, I think it was the right time for this conversation. We had rebounded from the 2008 recession quite well. But folks around the table were realizing that all was not well. And what was particularly striking is that of the 30 or so people who were there, 15 of them stepped forward to become members of the steering committee, right off the bat. And from what areas? Education. We have the, an assistant superintendent from the Saudi Public Schools and the superintendent of a one school district called the Continental Schools. We have the economic development folks from the town of Sawarita. We have had people from the county and actually just brought in the head of the Pima County Library System. We have philanthropy represented with the Community Foundation at the table. We have the Chamber of Commerce now engaging with us as well as human services folks, uh, food banks, the uh, Community Food Bank of Southern Arizona's branches are represented there. United Way is at the table, other nonprofit folks. So lots of people at the table who have the capacity to adapt systems and policies to improve exactly. uh, healthy environments. Talk a little bit yes. about how this group has spent its time connecting with the community it is hoping mm -hmm. to help. Well, I think, John, that is our greatest opportunity and our greatest challenge. We recognize that we cannot expect that people who are living in poverty, who are living on the edge, who might be working two jobs, or who might be caring for an elderly relative, they're probably not going to come to the steering committee table. No. Not likely. So one of the things that we've gained from the incubator is a lot of tools and inspiration, I would say that are going to help us in engaging the community and engaging those with lived experience. I would tell you that from my perspective, that's where, where I have had a renewed learning that unless we look at grassroots, grass tops, local institutions, and then the policy level, 
unless we look at change at all those horizontal levels in our community, and unless those folks are engaged in very meaningful ways that would make they see as important, we're not going to have sustainable change. At this point, the coalition has three working groups, correct? We will have four. <laughs> ah, see, I'm already behind the times. Tell us what those working groups are and sort of where you think they're headed. The three working groups that we have been working with from the beginning are human services collaboration, recognizing that very often in the community, human services folks work in silos. We really feel that human services collaboration is key. That's one arena. The second working group is uh, workforce development. And we currently are very excited because that group is being merged with a newly formed group at the Chamber of Commerce that is focusing on business retention and expansion. So as they move forward to craft a very new initiative, uh, we are going to come to a place where the business world and the workforce development world and the educational world are going to be more closely aligned. Speaking so, of which, you have an educational group as well. Exactly, we do. And that group has started to collect some really interesting data. One of the things that we are very cognizant of is that our schools have a number of kids who are at various levels in crisis, as are their families. And up till now, there's not been a particularly seamless network of services that addresses those issues. So we knew that the first step was to collect data and then to begin to align services around that. So that has been something that, that's been revealed in this process. The other thing we're looking at in the schools group is to focus on the school-to-career arena. There is still a misalignment between what schools are doing and what the employers want. There is still a lot of work to be done there, and we believe that our work together, both within the school but also across to the workforce development arena can be can have a real effect. Okay, I can't wait any longer. What's the fourth group? <laughs> uh, workforce housing. Salwarita in particular is growing like crazy. And as it grows, there has been a recognition on the part of the town, the town manager and others in the town, that there is a real dearth of affordable housing and workforce housing. We are getting a new hospital in Sawarita. We have a lot of new retail that has come in in the last three or four years, and there's more planned. We have teachers who are being paid better than they were, but still really struggle with having housing that they and their families can afford. And we have other school districts that are doing very creative things, like tiny houses. So the town is saying, aha. So we were able to come together and say, let us be the facilitators together with you of a convening folks who have a, a variety of, of interests and connections to workforce and affordable housing. So how's this working so far? You got the four work groups, you've been around, you've been together for a couple of years now. What benefits are you seeing? What challenges are you seeing? What opportunities are unfolding because of the cross-sector collaboration that coalition is facilitating? I would say that we are beginning to change the mindset of people who are in positions of, of authority in our community. And I think it was best articulated by the assistant superintendent from the Saudita Public Schools who said, you know, we've worked on transactional change for a long time. What we're really talking about here is transformational change. There are many forces within most of our current institutions 
to maintain the status quo or make small gradual changes. And I think that realization is powerful. Up to this point, I think that most of what we have done is still transactional. But I have a lot of hope that as we move forward and as we work together more closely, as we engage across the community, including those with lived experience, that we're going to continue to increase both awareness and a recognition of where we can really go deep on more systemic change and obviously cross-system systemic change because there's very little that can happen systemically that doesn't involve a collaborative process. Our hope is with each organization coming to the realization that they can start to look at things a little bit differently. They can start to work much more with those who are outside their particular sector. That I think is very powerful. I'll give you an example. The superintendent of the Sabadita Public Schools, a gentleman named Manny Valenzuela, convenes once a month something called Sabadita Wins. And he invites, I think there are 68 or 70 people from across the community. And what he does is talk about the schools, but with the people around the table, they begin to step forward and say, wait, we can help with that. Or let us connect you with another resource. Pima Community College has started to come to all those meetings and engage very deeply in the school to career piece. So we're beginning to see a lot of um, cross-pollination. And I leave those meetings really excited because this is happening. And I'm able to talk about what we're doing in that setting. And actually, he started this before we started what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So I give him a great deal of credit. It's very exciting. So contribution versus attribution is every coalition's nightmare. What did we contribute versus what can we say that the coalition can claim as its own wins? But you know what? counts is connection. And it sounds like the coalition is doing a great job of making new connections, ones that can be very powerful over time. So, you know, you're about five months into the incubator now. What has happened? How has it impacted the the coalition so far? And tell us what you're excited about so far. Well, we have a very, very good coach. Uh, Lissa Cloud Hall is our coach. She comes from an urban planning background, but urban planning that is very participative, So she actually is a really good resource to us. She's taken us to a place where we're recognizing that there are some basic pieces that we need to either revisit or strengthen. One is that she's really encouraging us to go back and get a very clear purpose statement. Everybody understands what a purpose is, and we want to keep it very simple. doesn't mean it won't evolve over time. Because each time we engage more people, they may say, well, do you want to look at this a little bit differently? But we know that the basic core of it's going to stay pretty solid. The second piece is that engaging of, of the community and people at all, all places in the community. Lived experience is the term that we've brought to the table. And when we talk about it now in the steering committee, there's a lot of acknowledgement that we all need to do that. Third, we've come to the recognition that in order to get more people in the community engaged, we have to brand. And so we are going to move ahead to to develop a logo, to develop a website and a Facebook page as our basics. And then we can refer people back to those, those sites or they will find them. And we believe that this is going to help us expand the involvement and also 
get more people to embrace the purpose. So those three things are where you have been so far, which is a lot in five months. Right. Well, we're still in the process. And all of our work groups continue to do the work that they agreed to do when we did strategic planning last year with a recognition that we do need some quick wins. The tension between the transactional and the transformational change is a very present tension because we have to move forward to get funding. We have to move forward to get people interested and people, people get pulled in with specific projects rather than high level thinking that some people love but you don't keep people engaged if that's where you stay. So in some so, respects, would you say that one of the things the incubator has done has given you those two layers? You still yeah. have very active working groups, but then but then this, this higher layer that's thinking a little more yeah. globally, a little more intentionally about the work itself. Yeah, I think that's very fair. The incubator has, mm-hmm. has another five months left. You're five months in. Reflect a little bit on when you first got into this, what you expected, and talk about surprises in a good or bad way. I don't think I'm surprised. I'm very gratified that we have the resources that we can go to and consult with, whether it's at the workshops themselves or in between times. And we've actually taken good advantage of Lissa and her assistance. I think, you know, moving forward, my hope is that we continue to utilize the resources at the incubator who help us as we move toward engaging more people with lived experience. I think that's really important. And I think it's something that very often as institutional leaders or government leaders, it's very easy to say, well, you know, we invited them to come at seven o'clock last night and they didn't come. And I believe we have to meet people where they are. I think that's critical. And we're wrestling with that even at the food bank. As you look out at the next five months, the key things to you are, are in a nutshell, what? For me, it's strengthening our uh, planning team mm-hmm. so that we can take some of the values and some of the practices that we've learned from you and carry them forward. Outreach and involvement and engagement. I think outreach is not the right word. It's engagement with people with lived experience. I think another and uh, another piece of it is to help us chart our course then for the next year or two beyond the incubator. If I had to ask you to narrow it down to one mm-hmm. key benefit that the incubator has delivered to the planning committee, what would it be? I have to say bringing us realization that this will not work without the voices and participation of people with lived experience. The incubator comes with its own set of commitments by you and this coalition. Commitments to drive around the state, <laughs> commitments to sit <laughs> and spend uh, the good part of a day with us, commitments to working with your coach. How does the coalition think about its return on investment? And how are you feeling right now about, about being part of the incubator in that respect? Oh, I, I think from the planning team's perspective, We have already said, and we will continue to say, that it is a very good use of our time. Everybody would say it's very worthwhile and that the investment is worth it. I mean, if we were asked to do it again next year, I would be very surprised if anyone would say no. How would you think about the impact in terms of energy level and how that energy level disperses out into the coalition? I think it was the combined energy of the planning team and LISA that led to one of our very best steering committee meetings. 
we decided that we would use three of the questions from that very long survey that uh, we experienced after the first workshop session. And that engendered such lively conversation and energy among the steering committee folks. I think it was a re-energizing process for them. Producing spirited dialogue where everybody really did participate, where we found that we had a real agreement on where we were today and where we wanted to be, and that there was definitely a discrepancy. And that, I think, was good because it said, okay, we've, you know, we, we all are together on this. So we have a shared vision of sorts, but we also recognize there's a lot of work to be done. And, you know, sometimes that's a downer. In this case, it was not because there was a sense of the possible, I guess is the best way of describing it. A sense of the possible indeed. Thank you, Penny, for your time today. Your passion and drive are crucial ingredients for bringing together this effort to discover ways that Suarita can truly become better together. That's it for our incubator series so far, but stay tuned. We've got plans in the works to revisit these projects further down the line. That episode and more shows yet to come are all part of the central purpose of the Vitalist Spark, sharing insights into what it takes to improve community health and well-being. We've got a bunch of new topics coming your way too. To make sure you get each episode when it is released, be sure to reach into your podcast app right now and subscribe to The Vitalist Spark. As always, remember this, with great responsibility comes great power. We'll see you back on the road to well-being soon. Thank you.